Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to part two of this year's Scran Christmas specials. We're fully ensconced in the festive season, celebrating all that this time of the year has to offer in food and drink. On this bumper episode of Scran, we have more tantalising treats in store. I'm sure you'll agree with me, whilst cheese does not necessarily make the cut on Christmas Day, a good cheese board is at home any time of the year, but a festive one calls for some extra special cheeses. I wanted to investigate what goes into a great cheese board, and where else to turn but the Scottish cheese institution that is Mellis Cheese. As my colleague Gabby often says at this time of the year, is it time to join the Mellis Cheese queue yet? With the Boyne Valley bun, I can also say if you have any leftover, putting it on a Christmas sandwich, definitely a good suggestion. Get some cranberry sauce on there, chipolatas, and it'll be fantastic. I've often wondered what it's like to go out for Christmas Day lunch, so this year I went along to One Devonshire Gardens by Hotel Duvan Glasgow to talk to key staff about what hosting residents and diners over the festive period means for them and the business. Whatever you're doing, whether it's Beef Wellington like we are for 200 people and Turkey, you know, it's all in the preparations. What's Christmas without a cocktail? Whether you're prepping them or gifting ingredients this year, we've got the lowdown on what's popular as well as some great advice you can adapt for your home concoctions. I love things like flips where you make a drink generally with brandy, brown sugar, things like that and you throw a whole egg into it and then you give it a good shake and it comes out like this kind of frothy, milkshakey, rich, unctuous drink. Ah, wonderful. Finally, you'll hear from producer Kelly and I about how we'll spend our Christmases and what are some of the traditions we'll be looking forward to partaking in. First up is cheese. I headed along to Mellis Cheese in Stockbridge in Edinburgh where I spoke to Carrie Paul, Head of Retail, about all things fromage. I'm now joined by Carrie Paul, Head of Retail for IG Mellis Cheese Shop. Hi Carrie, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, yeah. Better now that I'm surrounded by cheese. Um, so we're going to talk, as we have done with everyone, a, bit, a little bit about Christmas, but could you just give us a bit of history of IG Mellis if it, for anyone that doesn't know? Absolutely. So IG Mellis was founded in 1993 by Ian Mellis, who is the founding father and father of the family, now into its second generation with Rory Mellis, the eldest son at the helm, who mainly has focused on growing our wholesale side of the business of supplying restaurants, bars, delis, etc., but also bringing in a lot of new produce over the past year actually. We have five stores with the first store being in Victoria Street which was opened in 93 followed closely by Glasgow on Great Western Road and then we have Stockbridge, Morningside and St Andrews as well. How did you begin your cheese journey? As many people in cheese 
I fell into it almost by mistake. I have been in the hospitality industry since I was 14 years old, cafes, restaurants, bars, hotels, etc. So always with a focus on food and drink, but never really that close to the produce itself. And I was working at a, an Italian family-owned restaurant in Edinburgh when Rory Mellis came and conducted a training session with me and my team. And the way he spoke about the produce and the people that made it with such passion and knowledge, it just made me think, that's what I want to be doing. And so I leaped and joined the cheesemonger shop in Morningside, and that was the start of my cheesemonger journey. And five years later, here I am. For anyone that's come into the, the shops, I mean, the Great Western Road one is my local, but this, this shop here is lovely. It's like a lot of old tiles, and then there's there's sort of deli produce, sort of crackers and condiments and olives and things, as well as the cheese. Do you find that you know you get you get a lot of repeat customers or like how how is it over the year and then we'll talk a bit about Christmas? Because it has this traditional grocer vibe and feel to it with you know you were talking about the original butcher's tiles, a lot of wood and we have the traditional cheese counter with cheese stacked up all the way along the bench, not all in fridges or behind glass. We find that we have a really strong base of regular customers, people that come every single day and they might just buy a small piece of cheese or it might just be bread, eggs, milk, provisions. And then we'll see a lot of people that come as a pilgrimage maybe throughout the year when they're coming home from abroad to visit family or, you know, back from university or even tourism. You know, we see a lot of people that are one-stop shoppers from overseas that have just happened upon us. So we have a very varied clientele. And just to talk a bit about the cheese, obviously your cheesemonger, it's a specialist thing. There'll be people who only buy their cheese in the supermarket, but what, what can you get here? Is there a lot of array of Scottish cheeses, is it cheese from all around the world? What, what can people expect? I think what makes us unique and different to supermarkets is the fact that we solely work with artisan small-scale producers. So that is our role as we see it is that we champion these small producers because they spend most of their time on the farm with the animals making the cheese. We are there to tell their stories, talk about their produce and at the end of the day sell it to keep them in their livelihoods. We give tasters from the block of all of our cheeses which is a fantastic experience and way to choose and select cheeses that are completely right for you, things that you love. We have probably a three-way split between Scottish cheese, British and then the rest of Europe. So we've got a fantastic array of cheeses and charcuterie as well as wine, cider, dry goods, provisions, lots and lots of things. Probably about a hundred cheeses at any time on our bench. And so let's talk a bit about Christmas. Your Christmas queue is infamous. So what are people coming in for at that time of the year? Yes, our queue is infamous, especially in the last couple of days before the 24th when we shut for Christmas. So I can recommend that people do come a little bit earlier. Your cheese will last up to 14 days, especially if they're smaller. So definitely try and skip the queue and come those extra couple of days early. We find that people at Christmas time buy all the classics from Brie de Meaux, Colston Bassett Stilton is a Christmas staple and then everybody loves a truffle cheese at Christmas time. However, there are lots of other cheeses which I think are really should be included in that sort of festive selection that maybe aren't as well known 
are popular, but definitely would be a good selection to add to that sort of festive period of sharing with family, friends, whoever. And what would be your recommendations for a festive cheese board? Oh, it's a tough one. There are so many to choose from, but the way we always approach it in stores, to get a really nice selection, we're going for a good variety of textures, strengths, flavour and milks as well. So I would always start with something hard and something soft. So for my hard cheese, I would probably shun the, the usual and suggest instead of going for classic cheddar or perhaps Comte, this year I'm recommending Dunlop, traditional Ayrshire Dunlop made by Anne Dorwood on the West Coast. It's a fantastic cheese made in a cheddar style and it's actually Scotland's only protected cheese. So it's protected for its geographical location and also for the use of the Ayrshire cow's milk. Really beautiful, very similar in texture and flavour to a cheddar. So I think it's a good replacement. For soft cheese, we have a brand new cheese in. So instead of maybe going for your classic Brie de Meaux, I'm suggesting we go for the Robbiola Tre Latte, which is a gorgeous three milk soft cheese from Italy. Um, similar again in strength, but really rich and creamy. So it's a fantastic table cheese for sharing. It's not going to offend too many people. For a blue cheese, I have to say Stilton, it's my favourite all year round, but I would almost have that as a standalone cheese. You can get the baby Stiltons, which are about two kilos, and they make a fantastic table setting that you can go back to again and again throughout that period, and it'll keep much better in that bigger size. But for a slice of blue, I would go for the Picon Treviso, which is from the north of Spain and is made by Javier Campo. It's a little bit spicier, a bit stronger, but with a really nice creamy texture. So that's your hard, your soft and your blue. I'd then go for a nice goat's milk cheese. So I would probably stick to something more local and go for something from Errington, which is in Lanarkshire, and have the Elric Log or the Blackmount, which are both lactic-style goat's milk cheeses. But again, nice bit of salt, not too strong, beautiful shapes as well. Nice log-style or pyramid, so again, looks lovely on your table. And then to finish it off, go for a wild card, something different. A lot of the time, truffle um, is the one that people tend to go for. Myself, I'm not that partial to truffle, but I do enjoy the Baron by God with mascarpone and black truffle through the centre because it's just really indulgent. It's not too overpowering because it is mixed with that mascarpone. And I think it's just a nice treat to indulge in. So that would be my sort of recommendation for some festive, festive um, cheeses. And what are hotels and restaurants kind of going for? Is there a specific cheese that you sort of associate with, maybe a big hotel brand or anything? At the moment, our most popular cheese has actually been a new one from Ireland called Boyne Valley Bon, and it's made by a man called Michael Finnegan, who has never imported cheese to the UK before, and it has just flown out as soon as we got it in, because there really aren't that many semi-hard Irish goat's milk cheeses, especially in the UK market. So we found that that's been very, very popular amongst most of our big wholesale customers, which tend to be hotels, restaurants. You'll see it on the menus all across Edinburgh for sure. So if you are going to someone's house either before Christmas, during Christmas, after Christmas, what would you recommend someone takes for a gift? We have 
definitely got some nice options. I think always taking a good chunk of cheese is always a very simple um, and welcoming gift. If you walk in that door with a nice bit of cheese, you're going to get some smiles. However, we do have some really good pairing suggestions this year. So we have our port and potted Stilton, which is a fantastic duo. Nice ruby port from Porto and um, our potted IJ Mellis Stilton, which comes in a nice ceramic logo dish, which are collectible. So nice toothbrush holder for January. Or we also have our gorgeous aprons that all of our staff wear, um, which are made by Keston Hare, who are next door to our Stockbridge store in Edinburgh. We are actually selling this online with as a um, aspiring cheesemonger package with the Portrait of British Cheese book, which is a beautiful table book as well. So something that's maybe a little bit more of a gift idea rather than just to enjoy on the evening. I think they're both good options. And you do cheese tasting events as well. So I know Glasgow's got a cheese room. So can people kind of buy those in advance for the following year? Yes. So at the moment, our Glasgow tastings are not live until later on in 2024, just because we are going to be undergoing some refurbishment in that store. However, dates for the Morningside Cheese Lounge events are live and for sale well into February, March time, which we'll be doing two a week. So there's definitely room for ticket sales there for um, purchasing for gifts for others who love cheese. Hey, we're in amongst the cheese now and we're going to try some that's been recommended for Christmas. So the first cheese we have is the traditional Ayrshire Dunlop, which is the cheddar style from West Coast, just outside of the village of Dunlop. Really smooth. What do you think? It's just really smooth and it's got, it's creamy, but there is a real flavour there. So I'm a big fan of mature cheddar. I wouldn't touch mild cheddar with a barge bowl. This is really, really nice. Like it's not too strong but it's strong enough if you like a mature cheddar and it's good that it's Scottish as well. Yeah, Definitely gets your taste buds going. Mm. What would you suggest as a condiment to this whether it's oat cakes or biscuits or chutney or? Yeah definitely I mean there are two different types of biscuits I would put with this. I would either choose something really rough and handmade like the Eastnook oat cakes or perhaps a bannock um, Adamson's oatcakes are always really, really popular. They're rough, they're handmade from Pitt and Weem and Fife, or something with some fruit inside. So Miller's Cranberry and Raisin Toast are always a go-to for me, especially with soft cheeses, goat's cheese, that fruity and fresh kind of feel. Yeah, I eat those ones just on their own. <laughs> the little crisp breads. Thank you. Is this the... This is Boyne Valley Bon. This is made by Michael Finnegan. It's a semi-soft goat's milk cheese. We're here in the shop at the moment, so lots of background noise of buying cheese. Well, that's really interesting because you can tell it's a goat's cheese, but it's not too strong. So for anyone that doesn't really like goat's cheese, it's quite subtle. And, and really, you're right, soft, so you could slice it but still probably push it out to the edges of some kind of cracker yeah definitely um i think we've got the peter's yard sourdough crisp breads the large ones which are fantastic for gatherings they almost look like poppadoms and they snap and break so they're definitely great on your table but also they go a long way with the Boyne Valley bun, I can also say if you have any leftover, putting it on a Christmas sandwich, definitely a good suggestion. Get some cranberry sauce on there, chipolatas, and it'll be fantastic. 
Uh, we've just spotted Barry's tea and Kelly, our producer, is very excited by this. Do, do you want to talk about why? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Barry's tea has been a staple on our shelves since um, a colleague of ours, um, Ben, from Dublin used to manage our Morningside shop and he wanted to bring this product in because he was very passionate about not having good tea while he lived in Scotland and it has just remained. We have people that basically come in and just to buy Barry's tea and that's all they buy. That, is that what you're going to be doing now? And cheese. And cheese. <laughs> <laughs> tea and cheese. What, what more could you want? <laughs> so once the door closes on Christmas Eve, what is it you're going to be up to this Christmas? When the doors of the shops close on Christmas Eve, I will most likely still be in our maturing rooms and warehouse for a good few hours, tying up loose ends, delivering last minute orders or forgotten biscuits to make sure that everyone gets the best Christmas possible. I will then be driving home to Perthshire to see my family and most likely collapsing on the couch with some port, good wine and probably some cheese on that first night while my mum starts getting ready for the next day and enticing me to help with vegetable prep. But other than that, yeah, family time at Christmas and well-earned rest for myself and the rest of my team after a very busy few days. Well, thank you very much and I hope you have a good Christmas. Thank you so much, you too. Whilst most of us choose to spend our Christmas day at home, some even volunteering to slave over an epic roast dinner with all the trimmings, some people do not choose this path. Many would say, for good reason. I wanted to hear about those on the other end of this service, what it's like to work over the festive season, and what can customers expect at this time of the year. I spoke to head chef Gary Townsend and general manager David Barclay of One Devonshire Gardens by Hotel Devan, Glasgow. I'm here with Gary in the kitchen at One Devonshire Gardens and we're going to chat a little bit about Christmas but before we get into it all, Gary could you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into chefing? Okay so I got into chefing by, I probably just kind of just fell in it to be honest with you, um, it was never something I really wanted to do when I left school, it was just something I fell into because I went to college for full time for two years and I was quite fortunate to fall into a good job as well part-time job whilst I was at college doing that and it just progressed from there really. And have you worked in sort of hotel kitchens like this in the past? No it's not always been hotels it's been restaurants, hotels, never massive hotels just small like boutique hotels. Massive hotels are not really my thing but small places, good restaurants, yeah. So you've got a lot of experience like dealing with Christmas and Christmas Day? Christmas Day I've, I think I, I, don't, I don't ever recall really having ever a Christmas day off unfortunately so but yeah it, it is good it's good can you tell us a little bit about Christmas day here how do you ensure people get what they want when it comes to Christmas dinner are they looking for some traditional some quite luxurious when it comes to Christmas day here I tend to play it safe because you know we're, we're very busy Christmas day we end up probably doing about 250 people throughout the day that consists of two sittings so when it comes to the menu the menus I'd normally do probably well in advance, like four months in advance. So at the same time, you're planning for Christmas in, in summer, which is not easy, you know, but at the same time, like I said, we try and play it safe. But we also add a wee bit of flair to that as well, you know, because if you wanted your bog standard Christmas dinner, then you would have it at home. If you're coming to One Demonstrate Gardens, you want something a bit more extravagant, shall we say. So we kind of put a twist onto that and 
play it safe but do do something people can relate to but just do it well you know and so what's on the menu is it turkey and all the chimmins yeah obviously we have turkey on um you can't you can't not have turkey but again we'll do it in a different way you know we'll have a the turkey which has been rolled we'll have the stuffing through the middle of it we'll have all the trimmings and everything with it but again just a bit more flair with it than what you would normally have at home and are you finding different dietary requirements are people looking more vegetarian or vegan and how do you deal with that yes always <laughs> it's a it's a never-ending thing nowadays unfortunately but um in terms of preparing for it, it's, it that's that's what it is we just need to prepare for it you prepare for all eventualities you know if somebody can't have dairy you just need to prepare for it and have it ready to go basically what produce do you work with and so is it like all local suppliers when it comes to christmas when it comes to christmas yeah we try and use as local as we can you know i'm, I'm very fortunate to use some good local suppliers in terms of whether it's fish or meat or you know veg and stuff but yeah as local as we can so can you tell us about the logistics of christmas as i said we're very busy christmas day and it's it's more about the preparation you know we can't turn up on the morning and then just prep everything it's kind of building up so two or three days maybe four days in advance we'll we'll know what we're doing we'll know, we'll know what we're doing way ahead of time but it's just preparing for that you know step by step making sure everything's ticked off so then on the day of christmas morning we literally just have to turn up and then finish everything off you know it's it's a similar similar to what you do at home but instead of getting up at like five or six in the morning to put the turkey in you know we're preparing way ahead of that and making sure we don't need to come in at five or six in the morning to, to do this and do that it'll all be prepared like come up to that how many turkeys do you need for that amount of people uh good question um <laughs> i have this argument with myself every year I, I can give you a number but we always over order so you know not as though there'll be a lot of waste on it but we, you don't want people to go short on christmas day when you're spending that kind of money so have you got people who come and stay in the hotel over that period? Yeah, we have people that come and stay for like two or three nights over that. So funny enough, like the hotel is always, it baffles me because we're always full. Like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, the hotel's always full. Whether that's for residents staying here or if it's people coming to visit family and they stay here. But no, it's a busy time throughout that period. Those three or four days, that, that's like the busiest period of the year, you know. And what's the highlight of the Christmas season for you? Are you going to see the 3rd of January? <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're 100% you're right there. You know, the, the highlight for me is just, you know, making people happy, you know. People are coming here for a reason, whether it's because of the food we do here or the hotel or whatever it is, but people are coming here for a reason. And if people get that that experience and that what they're looking for, then, you know, that that's a highlight. That's a highlight for me, myself. But then, yeah, also obviously the, the 3rd of January, getting out of here and having a break, that would be, yeah, that's that's good. And how do you celebrate Christmas? Obviously, you're working Christmas Day. So, what are your what's your like traditions? In the last few years, because um, I've got two two young girls, so I try and I try and be as fair as everybody in the kitchen, you know, because we've all got lives outside of here, and I think we're in that day and age now where you need to kind of be fair with people. I'm not asking people to work like 60, 70 hours a week, and I wouldn't expect to do that through Christmas. But I personally, I try and take Christmas Eve night off. And I try and do that with the other guys as well that have got kids. And then Christmas Day, like I said, we're all prepared. So we don't, we're not rushing in here, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning. We, we can come in at like 10. We can do Christmas Day and then we get off at a reasonably decent time. You know, I know it takes a big chunk out of your day, but unfortunately that's the job. And then Boxing Day again, I'll give people time back. You know, if, if 
people who've got kids that have Boxing Day off, and then the younger ones who are younger than me who like like might like New Year off, they can have that off, you know. So it's it's a it's a fine balance, you know. It's kind of looking after everybody. Christmas Eve at home, what do you eat? Are you cooking a turkey? So no, I, I by by the time that time comes, I'm sick of it. <laughs> so um, so no, normally. If we get half an hour, an hour here, we'll maybe have a wee Christmas dinner here, like the guys in the kitchen. But then by the time I get home at night, it's no, I'm, I'm sick of the sight of it. Yeah, good, good takeaway or cheese board, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about Hogmanay? So, we've talked about Christmas Day, people who come here for New Year as well. Yes, uh, Hogmanay, we do uh, a seven course tasting menu um, for, for non residents and residents. And the way I kind of look at doing that is it's kind of to celebrate the year kind of thing. Again, the menu's done like way in advance. So I kind of try and think of the best dishes that we've done throughout the year and then put all them into one. That, that's the kind of idea of that tasting menu for the year. And for anyone who is cooking Christmas dinner at home, what would be your main tip? If you were doing Christmas dinner at home, it's just the preparation. Just don't leave everything till the one day. Same as we do here, you know, just prepare early, whether it's two or three days earlier, start building up small doses and then by the time you get to Christmas Day you're not running about like a like an idiot on the in the morning of Christmas Day you can enjoy your day and all your work's done you know you just need to to finish it off on the day you know that that's that's the only tip I can give whatever you're doing whether it's beef wellington like we are for 200 people and turkey you know it's all in the preparation well thank you very much and have a good Christmas cheers thank you very much I'm now joined by David Barclay, the general manager at One Devonshire Gardens by Hotel de Van Glasgow. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Nice to have you both here. Yeah, thank you very much. So we are a few weeks from Christmas and obviously you guys will be getting into the swing of things. But before we talk about um, what people can expect and your role in that, can you just give us a little bit of your career background? Yeah, sure. Like many people, I suppose I ended up in hotels or hospitality accidentally. I was an economics student in Edinburgh um, and whilst I was studying there, I worked at a very similar hotel to this called The Bonham as a bellboy. And yeah, I eventually went on to do a graduate programme with them. We did the opening of Blyswood Square in Glasgow and then uh, subsequently spent four and a half years with Ken McCulloch, who was the founder of One Devonshire Gardens and Malmaison, who's part of our group. I worked with him at Dakota. And yeah, the opportunity came up here about almost five years ago. And I spoke to Ken and he kind of gave me his blessing to come and work at the hotel where it all started for him. So yeah, One Devonshire has always been quite an iconic hotel in Glasgow and to be given the the opportunity to be part of it and to head it up was one that I couldn't turn down. As well as uh, your head chef, you've also been working Christmas for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my wife reminded me last year that we've been married 10 years and uh, I haven't had a Christmas off in 10 years. So uh, yeah, maybe make an effort this year. Got two young kids as well, so it's important to try and find that balance between making sure the hotel's perfect um, and obviously spending a bit of time with them. Can you just talk to us a bit about the logistics of Christmas? So when does the planning start? Really after the following Christmas. So we will, in January, we'll do a debrief with the HOD team and it's really on, on what worked well, what maybe some of the things we did differently this year, would we do them again? And then start putting the plans in place for the following Christmas. 
in terms of the, 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 the big day itself, the menus are written generally around March, April time. And those will go out to the public early summer. And we generally tend to try and have Christmas Day itself fully booked by July, August. Christmas Day for us is different in that we essentially run two restaurants on Christmas Day. We have our normal restaurant, which is a 65 cover restaurant in House One that will do two sittings. So we'll do um, about 130 people uh, between 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock. And then we turn our House 5, which is normally used for weddings and private events, into a second restaurant for larger tables. And again, we'll do about 130, 140 covers down here. So in total, we do in the region of 250, 260 covers on Christmas Day. So it's a big, big day. It's the biggest day in the in the dining calendar for us. And what about decorating? So I live just up the road and I can see the lights on the trees outside when they come on, you think, oh, it's quite festive. But what about within the hotel? Like, when do you start planning that? And then when do you get all your sort of decorations in? So decorations are actually going in this Monday. So that must be about the 20th, I think, this year. So 20th of November, they'll start going up. They'll take probably three days in total to get the whole place decked out as such. There's seven Christmas trees around the hotel which are replaced halfway through December as well. So those are real Christmas trees. Generally all the team will get involved in the decorating of the hotel, everything from the the banisters, the balustrades to all the front of house areas, the reception desk, you know, and then come December, the kind of softer touches, the mulled wine, will be put in place to create aroma. We work with a local company called Timeless Candles and Liana scents the hotel for us. So she'll she'll come in and create a, a Christmas fragrance for us. And it just adds to the atmosphere because One Devonshire in itself lends itself to Christmas. It's a very kind of cosy, open fires crackling, the darkness of the hotel, it's easily turned festive and it probably lends itself more to this time of year than perhaps midsummer. Oh, so it's quite nice because they were houses, right? So at some point they would have had like these things anyway for Christmas. They were kind of, they're all townhouses joined together, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's five townhouses that through the years have been have been knocked into to one. The rooms themselves are, some of the suites will have their own Christmas trees in them as well. On Christmas Eve, we'll put stockings in for the kids that are staying here. There'll be little touches. There's Christmas presents under the tree and Christmas morning for not only the residents, but also any kids coming for for Christmas dinner as well. And they'll all be individually named so they get something. So Santa visits the hotel. Santa visits the hotel, (laughs) yeah. What for you is the highlight of the Christmas season? I think the, the whole atmosphere around the hotel will change in December. And I think it's that feeling, you know, you're not so much getting this corporate traveller who doesn't necessarily want to be on the road, it's families getting together who want to be here, Christmas music's playing. There's just a lovely kind of fun feeling about the place. And I suppose the highlight is just seeing people enjoying themselves, having nice food, nice wine, and uh, really out to to have good fun. You know, for me personally, it's about, it's the balance of making sure the hotel is that nice kind of festive family feel but also then doing that for myself and, and my family. And actually, 
they will traditionally come here for Christmas dinner at some point in December. The kids and a couple of our friends and that's always really special as well. How do you celebrate Christmas? Obviously you're working Christmas Day, so what, what does your Christmas look like? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's as you would expect. We do the presents in the morning. My kids are five and eight, so they're up early. Santa's been, so it's, uh, yeah, probably a five o'clock start. Do a couple of hours of presents and then hit the road to to the hotel and here till late afternoon and everyone's had their Christmas lunch and then back home for my own turkey and ham or whatever it is on the menu this year and I think that you know at that point you're generally on a bit of a high because the whole day has gone well the kids are delighted to see you home the wife's hopefully still in a good mood and then yeah and then it's just kind of switch off relax and Boxing Day is always a big day for us as well because I will generally always take that off and, and we see family and friends and the kids can help me or I can build their presents as it would be, yeah. So we've talked about Christmas. What can people expect from Hogmanay here? So Hogmanay, I suppose we've changed what we do slightly over the last couple of years. Perhaps COVID influenced that as well because we used to do a Kaylee in our function area but we had to do away with that during the COVID times because of uh, social distancing and so on. And we probably decided just to strip it back a bit and simplify it. So we do a seven course tasting menu in our in our restaurant that again will fill up. So chefs very creative in how he designs that menu and there'll be some quirky kind of classic dishes on it with a modern twist, but it will also have the kind of festive theme people are obviously sick of turkey and ham and so on by that point so it'll be more looking at things like venison and you know I remember a dish she did with venison and chocolate which was just stunning and then our sommelier will pair up um, some really nice wines uh, predominantly French burgundies and bordeaux things like that to go with it and yeah, I suppose I would class it as a, a formally relaxed evening it, people come they get dressed up but there's not too much pomp around it. It's quite a, it's quite an informal style of service. So you're fully booked for this Christmas day, but if anyone wants to come next year, what can they expect on the day? So, uh, yeah, I mean, early sitting is at 12 o'clock. Everyone arrives at once, which is quite different from a, a normal restaurant setting. So there's a lovely buzz as everyone's welcomed in the door. We have a Christmas tree just as you arrive, so the kids then get to pick their that all the presents will be named. We'll obviously know the names of the kids attending. So the first point is that they'll dart for the tree, find their present, and then open it at the table. It's a fairly relaxed style of dining on Christmas Day as well. You're treated to a glass of champagne as you arrive and some bespoke canapes that chef will make on the day. And then it's a three-course, a relatively simple three-course menu. People often um, will ask our sommeliers to match the wine or you can choose from our wine list, which has about 300 wines on it at the moment. So, yeah, it's a beautiful day, lovely atmosphere. Every part of the restaurant's bustling. And then the, the turnover between the first sitting and the second sitting com- coming in, the bar's bustling so, and people are mixing and, you know, bumping into old friends. We've, we've got a lot of regulars who come here on Christmas Day that have been coming for years and years, so they almost know each other through that, which creates quite a nice atmosphere as well. 
It's nice. Well, thank you very much, and I hope you have a good Christmas. Pleasure. You too. Thank you. The world of cocktails changed recently when the other C word came into our lives. People started getting more adventurous in their home mixed cocktails, and an industry boom was born. I went along to one of the Good Spirit Company shops in Glasgow to chat to Matthew McBadden, one of the founders, about all things cocktails and Christmas. Okay, I'm now with Matthew, one of the owners of the Good Spirits Company. Hi Matthew, how are you? Hi, I'm very good. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, so we're going, we're talking Christmas to everyone. Obviously Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without drinks. So can you tell us a bit about drink, any drinks trends you've seen over the last 12 months? Oh, so I've seen a lot of premiumization, which has been fascinating to see. I've seen a kind of slow descent of gin, which is slowing down and has slowed down quite considerably. But what that has meant is, for me, the entrenched, really good quality brands have reinforced their positions, but kind of smaller brands have kind of dropped off a wee bit. I've also seen quite interesting liqueurs pop up that are really kind of interesting and unusual people are willing to take more risks so agave products are really growing so mezcal and uh, tequila are doing really well for us so for anyone who is looking to buy a sort of drinks gift for christmas have you got any tips or ideas or do you have anything that's come in specially for you this christmas well especially for me uh, we just bought we just collaborated with uh, glengoyne distillery with a special single cast bottling of glengoyne which is like unicorn tears, you just never see single casts from Glengoyne. And this was a collaboration between five other retailers in Scotland. So we've all kind of got a proportion of this cask, which I was uh, very excited about. Perfect Christmas dram. It's, um, you know, Glengoyne is a local distillery and because we so see so little of it, it is, um, it's priced to suit that. But uh, there are other things as well. Currently, we've got a bottling from Glenlivet Distillery. It was bottled by Signatory for... Uh, ralphie.com ralphie is a good friend of our shop he's a an online a, a vlogger who does quite a lot of different uh, whiskey videos and he's just released his thousandth video and part of that was releasing five whiskies and one of them's this amazing glenlivet that's bottled it quite a hefty over 65 percent but it is absolutely delicious we'll take some water and what about the non-whiskey drinkers so yeah, we've seen a real growth in fizz, sparkling wine, champagne, things like that are going really well. Over the last year or so, we've seen a real uptake in people looking for natural wines and orange wines and wines that are made in a more traditional manner with less inputs from winemakers, so less additives like sulfides and things. And they're going great guns for us. So we've got a great range of those across both our shops. You've also got a little wee, because I've bought these before, little wee pre-batched cocktails, which are quite good for stocking fillers. Oh, they are one of my favourite things about Christmas. My colleague Sarah, uh, she puts a huge amount of effort into coming up with new cocktails every Christmas. Um, and this year we've got, oh, it was six, I think it might be eight now. Two of them are re-ups from last year that were very, very well received. One's called Rompa Pom Pom. And uh, a new one this year was one we did for a cocktail tasting recently, which is called Mind Day Conquers which is a delicious drink um, with um, a creme de châtain, which is a chestnut liqueur and some bourbon, um, but is excellent. For our bottled cocktails, we have to think about stability on the shelf. So we tend to make cocktails with lots of booze in them, basically. Um, we, they can't be bottled at too low a strength to give them some longevity. So we tend to make a selection of different products that will be shelf-stable and safe, um, but are also delicious. Mind They Conquers was a take on a cocktail called uh, Remember the Main, and it has in it um, bourbon, creme de châtain, sweet vermouth, 
and a wee bit of absinthe just to add a wee bit of salt and pepper. The bottle cocktails come undiluted so uh, on the back of the bottles there's a wee QR code that explains what you should do with it or suggestions. This one being undiluted what you want to do is pour it over ice and give it a good stir to dilute it down a wee bit and then garnish with maybe a cherry or a bit of orange or something like that uh, would work really well. Uh, you could also stir it down over ice in a mixing glass and then serve it up in a wee cocktail glass like a, a Nicanora or a or a coupe or something like that. So you mentioned your cocktail club, that's like a monthly, end of the month thing that you do in the shop. It's a bit like going to a restaurant that has a fixed menu because you turn up and you get given three drinks. You have no choice of what, of what comes. And we hope that people like at least two of them. We're delighted when they like all three of them. And we have a real bunch of regulars who have come for years and years and years. So they uh, are they expect a certain quality <laughs> and level of alcohol. I can imagine. It's Glasgow. So uh, talking to cocktails, anyone who wants to make cocktails at home this Christmas, what would be your go-to cocktail for Christmas? Oh, I love a uh, paper plane. It's one of my favourite drinks. My favourite sort of drinks are equal parts, so I love Negronis or Boulevardiers, things like that that you can't go wrong with. And a paper plane has uh, Amaro Nonino, or you can switch that out for Montenegro, Amaro Montenegro, bourbon or rye, lemon juice and Aperol. I just shake that over ice and then serve up with a wee twist of lemon and it's delicious, lovely, fresh, bright. Uh, you would never know there's bourbon in it because the lemon and the Aperol just make it explode in your mouth. It's great. What do you feel about traditional Christmas cocktails like eggnog, snowball? I'm trying to think of really retro. Baby Sham. Baby Sham's coming back. Baby Sham is coming back. Um, yeah, Baby Sham is, uh, I suppose, it, it suffers from that, that 80s nostalgia, I suppose, of something your parents drunk. But I suppose it's a branded form of Perry, and Perry and cider are becoming super popular, you know, particularly with the, the current trend towards zero intervention and no additions of sulfides and things. There's some excellent Perry's and uh, ciders available at the moment. In terms of traditional cocktails, I suppose as long as I'm not cleaning the glasses afterwards, I don't mind, but they can get quite messy. But I love things like flips, where you make a drink generally with brandy, brown sugar, things like that, and you throw a whole egg into it, and then you give it a good shake, and it comes out like this kind of frothy, milkshakey, rich, unctuous drink. Ah, wonderful. You know, some people get a wee bit twitchy about the use of whole eggs, but the alcohol cooks anything off that would would be bad and they're delicious things what about wine wine trends and how do you feel about mulled wine i love mulled wine i think it's such a great part of christmas um, particularly when you do it right you know it's important not to start off with too inexpensive a wine we generally make a mulled wine syrup that we sell that you can add into wine uh, ourselves or you can get sachets of the spices but it's really easy to make really um, as long as you use a good quality a reasonable quality wine i always love adding a bit of port when I was younger, I had friends who used to add uh, Buckfast to theirs, but I probably wouldn't advise that these days. <laughs> and I've just picked up a case of wine from uh, a small uh, winery in the West End of Glasgow that make uh, fruit wines from discarded fruit from food banks uh, called uh, Two Raccoons. And uh, my colleague Jane has tried it and says it's absolutely fantastic. So I'm looking forward to trying that this weekend to see how that goes down. But this one's made from brambles and black currants and spices. So you'll be putting in some long hours in the shop in the coming weeks. What's the build-up to Christmas like at work and then how do you celebrate Christmas? Yeah, the build-up to Christmas in the shop is uh, it's a lot of 
pre-planning my business partner Shane puts in a huge amount of work planning out stock planning out how much things will need so it's always a juggling act of trying to make sure you've got everything you need without overbuying if that makes sense but uh, through November December it's all about building the stock building the stock for the last two or three week push when things go a bit crazy and it's always it's the best time of year to be in the shop it's but it's also can be frustrating if you're a customer coming in on the 23rd December looking for that one product that we sold out of two weeks ago <laughs> that we didn't know was going to be the hit this year or or our supplier run out of stock early it, it, you just never know but it's a it, there's always something else you can switch to there's always loads of other options because we've always got such an amazing range of different products in the shops but yeah and then christmas how do we celebrate christmas i think christmas eve we tend to um relax a wee bit because the hard work's done by then so in the shop we tend to have a bit more of a fun time on that day and then we can unwind properly on Christmas Day my plans this year is to go up to my parents in the Highlands so my wife tends to pick me up from work on Christmas Eve and we drive up to the Highlands and unfortunately we need to be back at work on the 27th so we'll be back down Boxing Day Nice, well thank you very much and have a good Christmas You too, thanks very much, have a great time Our final chat on this year's Christmas special episodes is between producer Kelly and I, who spend all year seeking out new and interesting stories about the food and drink industry to bring you on Scran. This was a nostalgic moment for me, remembering the very first episode of Scran being recorded in the same place three years earlier. However, it was a lot windier this time. We're here at Edinburgh's Christmas Market in East Prince Street Gardens. Raz, this is where Scran started three years ago. Isn't that amazing? I know, I can't believe we're back. So, yeah, the old producer Marvin and I came down here December 2019 uh, and spoke to different vendors. And one of the two of us had a mulled wine. I can't remember if it was me or her. I wasn't feeling well, so it might have been her. But we're back and it's amazing to be back. And we've done three years of really good interviews, chats with people. You and I have travelled around Scotland. Yeah, it's, uh, it's lovely to come back and toast not only the Christmas season, but Scran in general. It's not too busy here today, but you're enjoying your first mulled wine of the season. How is it? Really good. So we got it from, there's lots of different places you can get mulled wine. It is actually nice. Sometimes it can be too sweet or a bit kind of not particularly nice tasting, but this one is lovely and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. We're going to talk a little bit about Christmas because I'll be heading back to Ireland for Christmas and everybody's got their own little traditions and things they like to do. So tell me, what are you going to be doing? And you spend all the year asking everybody else what they're doing for Christmas. So what are you doing? So going to my sister and brother-in-law's again, we started doing that, I think, just... No, it was during 2020. Before that, we spent it in Fife and had spent it in Fife with my family for years. Um, I used to cook Christmas dinner, which I absolutely loved. My dad does the best roast potatoes, so he would do them and kind of help me a bit with the turkey. I used to do Nigella Lawson's turkey in a bucket method. The infamous turkey in a bucket. Yep, which was great. It, made, it actually really made a difference. And my dad was known for talking to the turkey in the bucket because it was kept in the garage, so he would go in and check on it and have a wee chat with it. We don't do that anymore. My brother more cooks and it's always really lovely and you'll be happy I said that because I don't really get involved anymore. I can sit down, relax, have a riot with my nephews, try to stop the dog from eating things he shouldn't, like the Christmas pudding which he did one year and um, yeah it's, it's nice, it's relaxing. I would like to see my extended family more um, so last year we started hosting them on Boxing Day, I had a bit of a buffet in my flat and um, yeah we're hopefully going to do that again so it's a bit of a riot with lots of people, lots of food 
what's the children, the dog. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So what are the kinds of things you like to eat across Christmas? You do obviously the traditional Christmas dinner, but besides that, what's your kind of favourite go-to Christmas food? I love panettone. I also, it's a time of year where I sort of let myself have more treats. So for, you know, in the morning with coffee, um, when I worked abroad, I used to get my morning coffee that was made for me in work and pick up a ginger biscuit. So that was always part of like the breakfast thing. So I'll have panettone. I love a cheese board. A lot of sweet stuff, just not surprising. And biscuits, uh, really good biscuits, which my brother-in-law one year ate an entire packet of and my mum still can't believe that he did that. I'm aware of some uh, Scottish festive traditions. I'm definitely aware of steak pie as a thing for Hogmanay and... There are certain things that are traditional here that are not so traditional in Ireland, but tell us about some of the things that maybe people aren't as familiar with. Um, well, yeah, so Christmas was banned across the UK, as um, people might know, through Oliver Cromwell, but it continued to stay that way in Scotland for quite a long time after. Christmas Day wasn't actually a public holiday in Scotland until the 50s. There's traditions that go well back, though, to the pagans. There's there's things that people might not know. What Sir Walter Scott mentioned a thing called plum pudding, which started off as a kind of meat thing but became sweeter, which is a, a bit like how Christmas pudding um, kind of came about. It's very Charles Dickens plum yeah. pudding, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and in a similar vein black bun which is more of a new year tradition you'll get you'll still get black bun in sort of traditional bakeries in Scotland but that's that was one of the things that the first footer would bring to the house um, it's essentially a really dense fruitcake covered in pastry which my friend managed to find last year and take down Southie's family and it wasn't a fan but I think it looks quite nice there's also a Scottish version of eggnog which is known up in Shetland and it's, it's exactly what you would think it would be sort of cream and milk and rum but you might not know that if you're not from there but then also the, the traditional things Christmas pudding Christmas cake um, that are traditional across the UK and first footing for Hogmanay is also well it's not so much anymore but it certainly still was when I was young whereby you go and visit friends and neighbours and supposed to be a, a dark haired man comes through the door is the first person through the door um, on the 1st of January and brings a lump of coal and some whiskey and you know it's, it's all based in superstition so yeah and also the steak pie you're right everybody has steak pie on the 1st of January which is a great tradition and a great hangover cure as uh, I think we included in the podcast last Christmas <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we're very similar in Ireland we would have the turkey with all the trimmings although I do think that ham is particularly important part of the Christmas dinner in Ireland to the point where we will probably have twice as much ham as turkey served at dinner but one of the trimmings we will never ever ever see on a Irish Christmas dinner plate is pigs and blankets and I don't know why but never ever ever will let you, will you see it on an Irish dinner plate for some reason we have you know sherry trifle Christmas cake Christmas pudding all all that stuff one other big thing when I mentioned to some friends I was going to talk about Irish Christmas food was stuffing people love stuffing and variations of stuffing at Christmas in our house we will have at least two variations but I found out there's further variations beyond the usual sort of breadcrumb based stuffing there is potato stuffing there is sausage stuffing there is black pudding stuffing there is you name it there is stuffing so uh, another great Irish tradition and the importance of two other elements of Christmas in Ireland the box of Cadbury's chocolates literally in every household but also biscuits and not only just biscuits the good biscuits so any Irish people listening might remember the tin of USA biscuits which had either two or three layers of biscuits 
and they'd eventually get opened after being in the house probably for a month before Christmas and woe betide the person who touched the second row of biscuits before the tap row was gone. That was a big, big issue in many households. But uh, also honourable mention goes to chocolate Kimberleys, which were essentially these biscuits you'd eat all year round, Kimberleys, kind of coconut ginger biscuits. And then you got them covered in chocolate for Christmas. And this was the height of decadence. So if anybody hasn't tasted those, I would urge you try them if you ever come across them they are absolutely delicious and a big part of Irish psyche and culture at Christmas so very much looking forward to that I need to not tell my brother-in-law about that because I think he would eat the entire box of biscuits as he has done in the past (laughs) I do love the sort of modern traditions that have kind of come up through my family though it's not just the Christmas dinner is the main thing about Christmas it's the (laughs) this is a terrible thing to say but party food you know like getting in the party food getting in the cheese getting in the extra nice delicious bits and bobs from the deli that you know we've talked to various businesses this Christmas and it's those businesses that like thrive at this time of year because people are doing exactly that the nice stuff the good stuff we're still very traditional in that sense where people treat themselves at Christmas and I'm very much looking forward to that and as well Cocktails. I love to. I love to take time to make a cocktail at Christmas when I maybe don't do it the rest of the year. What about you? Yeah, same. I, my boyfriend Gordon is um, good at making cocktails. He usually makes old fashions variations on old fashions, which he really enjoys. So we're a bit more of a would have more of a, a cocktail culture in my house. But yeah, it's good to just try something new at Christmas. We're more of a sort of fizz like we'd have fizz to start off with um, we used to have Bucks Fizz in the morning not so much now my sister's kids are quite young so it's not no longer uh, just adults so um, yeah but I'm up for, for trying a cocktail and um, so maybe a little sherry in the middle of the day or a yeah, port even at some I, point I'm a massive fan of sherry much to some of my friends amusement and yeah love a port love a port with a cheese board it's just an excuse to eat and drink all the things isn't it yeah definitely <laughs> Okay, well then, bottoms up. Happy Christmas, Rose. Happy Christmas, Kelly. Happy Christmas, listeners. Happy Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who contributed to this special episode of Scran. Luckily enough, we have one more episode left for you this year. On our final episode for 2023, I'll be continuing the theme of delicious drinks and speaking to Ian McPherson of Pandan Sons about the rise and rise of the cocktail. I hope you've enjoyed our Christmas specials for 2023. From all of us here at Scran, we wish you a very indulgent and delicious Christmas. Thanks to all my guests on this episode and thanks to you too for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.